we owe hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of His karam and His fazl, His grace and generosity has once again allowed us to spend these days in itikaf in this blessed month of Ramadan and however much gratitude and thanks we give to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this blessing and bounty this would, ne- would never be enough And this year, in these morning sessions, we are going to talk about how a husband and wife can have a happy and prosperous married life. And it is our hope that the women will listen with all of the attention of their heart and that they would implement and adopt each and every one of these points. And then if they do so, then that they will try to become the pious and beloved servants and slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This ayah in Quran al-Kareem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran, from amongst the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created mates and spouses for you from amongst your own selves. They taskunu ilayha, so that you may get sukoon from them, so that you may get peace, tranquility from them. And Allah ta'ala has mentioned this in Quran as one of his ayat, one of his signs. What is marriage? Marriage is a union between a man and a woman that takes place by the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the presence of two witnesses in Sharia. This is called marriage. And this is an agreement known as nikah. And this nikah agreement is done in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And given that it is done with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the most barakah, the most blessed name. And you will see that if you don't take the name of Allah ta'ala, when you slaughter an animal, its meat will not be halal, it will remain haram. Just like that, if you don't take the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when taking nikah, then that relationship will be haram, it will not be halal. Until and unless Allah Ta'ala's name is taken in nikah, the woman will not become halal for us. So it means that prior to taking Allah's name in nikah, they were haram with one another. May we all be sacrificed for the mercy of that Rabb who has who said in Quran Al-Kareem that you should fear Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and Allah Ta'ala has you should fear Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala who has made you spouses and that which is in your womb which is in their wombs so it means that the nisbat of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and the fear of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is the reason why this marriage takes place so Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is teaching us that throughout the married life they should never forget Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala they should never forget that Allah Ta'ala in whose name they became husband and wife with one another and before they get married for the boy to look at the girl is haram for the girl to look at the boy is haram because they were strangers to one another they were non-mahram to one another but they were so distant from one another but after this nikah they became so close to one another that now that the wife is the closest thing to the husband now she is his partner in life and therefore, one of the, we should keep we always remember the purpose of marriage, which is this sukoon. And this marriage agreement and relationship is a agreement and pact between a husband and wife, 
that takes place in front of witnesses in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they said the wedding day are the world's smallest handcuffs. The wedding ring is the world's smallest handcuff. They say in English that the wedding ring are the world's smallest handcuffs that they eat by wearing or making the other wear the wedding ring they actually put the handcuffs of the marriage bond onto one another and that means that each one has extracted a commitment and agreement from the other party and that is what marriage is the first main agreement purpose, purpose of wedding is to stay away from sin that the husband wants that due to his wife he should stay away from sin and the wife wants due to the husband that she should stay away from sin and this is one of the first and foremost reasons of getting married the second purpose of getting married is takmila iman to complete our iman Sayyidina Rasulullah said in nikah when this is iman that nikah is half of iman nikah is the completion of iman before a person got married a person has only half of their iman and after their nikah then now they have the complete iman and they're able to do amal on all of iman this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then increases the sawab and ajr of a person's amal asala after they're married it comes in hadith that before a person is married if you pray salah then you will get one sawab, one ajr, one reward for that one salah if you pray after you get married then you will get the sawab for 21 salah and some rivayat, some narrations of hadith have said 42 sawab. So what does it mean that the ajr of a person's amal, the sawab of their acts and deeds is increased and multiplied by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because Allah subhanahu said that, Oh my servant and slave, before you just had hukukullah over you. And therefore, one salah would be worthy of one reward because all you had was hukukullah over you. But now because hukukullah you have to fulfill the rights of Allah Ta'ala and you now have hukukul ibad you have to fulfill the, the rights of the servants of Allah. So now that while fulfilling the hukukul of ibad you're still doing hukukullah so now I will value your fulfilling my right even more and I will give you an even greater sawab. So what was the first purpose that by means of one another the husband and wife can stay away and abstain from sin and the second was that they can be a means of increasing the, completing their iman and the third is that they become an izza or a source of honor and grace for one another the husband is the means of izza and honor and grace for his wife the wife is the means of izzat and honor and grace for her husband and the fourth purpose of marriage is muhabba is love that the husband and wife will have muhabbat for one another and they will share this love with one another and this love will be a source of joy and happiness in their life and the fifth purpose of marriage is to get a partner in life to get a companion in life somebody to share all the ups and downs of life and then that during these ups and downs of life a person should have somebody who's their own who they can share their happinesses and sorrows with and so they can jointly uh, take on these happinesses and sorrows and the sixth purpose of marriage is to have children 
and this is a human it's in human nature to want to have children and this is why all of the Anbiya and Mursaleen and such great spiritual personalities such as the Prophets even they used to make dua to Allah Ta'ala for children you'll find the same Zakariya made dua to Allah Ta'ala that oh my Rabb Oh Allah Ta'ala, my, uh, I have no longer proficient in desire and my back has become bent and my hair has become white but still even then I have a desire to ask and beg children from you and I, have not, I do not despair that you could grant me children. So what does that mean? That even the Anbiya in their old age want to children. So that means that just like the example of the Anbiya is for the men and women also. Every woman desires also to have children. The seventh purpose of marriage is to get sukoon. Is to have a peaceful, tranquil life. And we must understand this word sukoon. That today, in people's mindset, they think that sukoon means that you shouldn't have any worry at all. There shouldn't be any worry, any difficulty, any stress. But that, the way that an unbeliever thinks is different and the way a believer thinks is different. And the unbeliever will think that there should be no difficulty, no worry on me. And that would be called sukoon. But the mu'min knows that's not possible. The mu'min knows that Allah Ta'ala has declared this world is Darul Imtihan, Darul Ibtila. This is the abode of test and trial and tribulation. And that Allah Ta'ala will send tests and grief and sorrow on us. Sometimes we will be healthy, sometimes we will be sick, sometimes there will be happiness, sometimes there will be sorrow, sometimes financial ease, sometimes financial difficulty. So the mu'min is expecting the life to have worries. So that means that for the mu'min, that this life of this world is a life of test. So why do the women then think that don't they even know that even the kings of this world who have every single thing, even they have so many worries. In fact, if we only we were to know, we'd be amazed how many worries the kings and rulers have. That if we were to distribute their worries amongst the people, entire people of the city, still even everyone in the city would be worried. So, the purpose of the married life is that both the husband and wife should get sukoon from one another. Even when there's a worry in life, even when there's a difficulty in life, even when there's sickness or a problem in health. And ha- having no worries is something else, and having sukoon is something else. And this is the real meaning of sukoon, that during the worries and difficulties you have a companion. To have a companion and partner in life in times of worry and stress, that is what causes the sukoon, not the absence of worry and test because that can never happen. So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Quran with one word, لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا Mentioning clearly the purpose of this marriage, the purpose of marriage the person should have sukoon from one another. After then they are married, the husband and wife take every step together. They Caring together, sharing together, doing things together. This is the nature of their life. This is the basic principle of their life. So how can we get the sukoon in our married life? Let us first look at the teachings of Qur'an al-Kareem on this topic. And then we will see the details of how to understand this concept of sukoon. The first thing, Allah Ta'ala said, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ That it is from the signs of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. 
So the husband is a sign of Allah for his wife and the wife is a sign of Allah for her husband. And really, this is what it means. If Allah Sponsor had not made a husband and a wife, then each and every one of each of their life would be incomplete. Each and their life would have an emptiness and a void in it. So from that we should realize that a person has izzat. The husband should respect the wife and the wife should respect the husband and the wife should think that Allah Ta'ala has made this husband as a sign and a status of honor for me. The husband should feel that Allah Ta'ala has made my wife a sign and a source of honor for me. And we should remember that this nikah agreement and pact that took place between us, that was taken on the name of Allah Ta'ala. And this is why when you read Surah An-Nisa, you will see that after every few ayat, you will feel the word Ittaqullah, fear Allah Taala, Be conscious of Allah, be aware of Allah Taala. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala knew that the husband and wife relationship is so delicate that if, if and until and unless a person has the fear of Allah Ta'ala in their heart, then they won't be able to be true to this relationship. And they outwardly may remain married, but inwardly they will be hurting one another. So you should. So Allah Taala didn't say that be careful with creation. He said be careful with Him, because if you're careful and have taqwa with Him, then you will have the proper relationship with creation. So all thoughts, intentions, and actions, all of those things should be done for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Taala. And Allah Taala knows your intention in every thought and every action. And to keep that in mind, that is called taqwa. Then Allah Ta'ala continued in Ayah Qur'an and said that Allah has placed between the two of you, yani husband and wife, between spouses, mawadda. Mawadda means an affectionate love. So the husband and wife have an affectionate love, which means physical and emotional, both love they should have for one another. And this is why husband and wife are all seasoned friends. They are not just fair weather friends. They are not just friends in good times. But they are all seasoned friends. They are friends in all times. And they have to build up this friendship and relationship with one another. They have to invest in this relationship with one another. And however much any one of them, anyone invests in the relationship with the other, that will make the relationship of affectionate love stronger with one another. They have to give time to one another. They have to give care to one another, support to one another, make effort on one another. And they have to help the out one another in their tasks. They have to take interest in the interests and works of one another. All of these things will make the marriage strong. The husband and wife have an emotional bank account and however much they deposit into that emotional bank account, that will increase the sukoon in their marriage. Love is directly proportional to investment. So whatever you spend your time, wealth, money on, whatever you invest your time, wealth and money in, you will always love that thing. This is the nature of human beings, that they fall in love with what they invest their time, money and sweat in. 
Look at, for example, the best example is the love a mother has for a child because she invests so much time in the child, 24 hours for her baby. She feeds her baby first, eats later. She gives to her baby to drink first, she drinks later. She puts her baby to sleep first, herself sleeps later. No matter how tired she may be, if she hears the slightest wailing from her baby, she will instantly wake up and she will go to her baby and fulfill the need of the baby first and think about her needs later. When the ba- mother wet nurses and gives milk to her baby, nursing him, carrying him, looking after him, so actually she has invested so much of her time, wealth, emotions and feelings into the baby, that's why she has so much love for the child. And that's why, because she, then she has so much love for the baby, then she can take any difficulty on her, upon her own self. And we have seen this forget in humans, even you will find this in animal behavior. And that animals, and animals' mothers are very possessive of their offspring. And what is that basis? Again, because the mother animal has invested a lot in the child animal. So if somebody was to take a baby of a mother and immediately at birth take the baby away and give it up for adoption, then you will find that that mother doesn't have such a strong relationship with that baby because she has not yet invested so much time and effort and emotions and resources into that baby. So just like that, the men, because they invest all of their time into their business, their thoughts into their business, their money into that business, so they start loving their business. So we always remember this is the principle of human nature. However much that you will invest in one another in terms of time, in terms of sacrifice, in terms of taking care of one another, all the efforts, we, the more and more efforts we make for one another, that will be all of that investment will make that the marriage bond will become stronger and deeper and more and stronger and more deeper over time. So the husband and wife, And wherever the husband and wife don't invest and don't sacrifice one another, then their relationship will be weak. There was an incident that once a woman got married, and she got a mother-in-law, who, may Allah Ta'ala save us from such a mother-in-law, that on the slightest of things she was always critiquing her daughter-in-law, and the husband and wife, they had a very good relationship with each other, but because the mother-in-law was always advising, critiquing, pointing out things to her daughter-in-law. So it made this young girl heart was oppressed by this mother-in-law and her heart became sorrow and was always in grief. And after one year passed, then she came to the conclusion that I simply cannot live in the presence of this mother-in-law. There's no chance I have it being happy in the presence of my mother-in-law. And then she started feeling hostility towards her mother-in-law. She started having enmity towards her mother-in-law. She started having malice and spite and hatred for her mother-in-law. And then she didn't even want to see the face of her mother-in-law. She wanted that somehow the earth should crack open and swallow my mother-in-law entirely. That somehow I should be saved from her. That anything can happen to rescue me from her. So one day she was sick and she went to the Hakim, the healer, and there Shaitan put something in her mind that why don't you ask the Hakim to get some type of other medicine that due to which my mother-in-law will die, some type of poison, and then I can be safe from her. 
So she told the Hakim her situation that I'm really worried, I'm in great distress, please help me out and give me some type of medicinal ingredient that I can give it to my mother-in-law and she will die. So the Hakim was a wise man. He said, okay, I will give you something but you must keep one thing in mind and that is that if I was to give you a medicine that would have an immediate effect then everybody will suspect you and everybody will blame you so you will be embarrassed and you will be caught and you will be suspect you will become a suspect of murder so the Hakim said so instead of doing that I'm going to give you some medicine that is a slow poison and that will take one year for it to have its effect and then after one year this woman will become so weak that she will end up dying so she got very happy the daughter said okay yes give me that type of potion or poison so then the Hakim gave her this ingredient and said that from time to time on occasion for the whole year you should give her a little bit of this and then by the time when you're complete then you will be free of her so she went back happy and thinking okay I've gotten my solution but he told her one more thing he said that look because you're doing this yourself so lest the whole world view you as a criminal then what you should do that in this one year you should do a lot of khidmat of your mother-in-law you should be near her and you should try to make her your friend and so no one will ever suspect you and everybody will say that no she was so nice to her this past year and she was doing khidmat of her and she spent time with her and she served her and she attended her every need that way nobody will ever suspect you at all and she liked this advice also and so now when she came home she thought she had the perfect recipe for action and she started giving her mother-in-law slowly a little bit of that ingredient but but she also followed the second advice she started spending more time with her mother-in-law taking more care of her mother-in-law trying to please her mother-in-law trying to win over the heart of her mother-in-law listening to her mother-in-law and the mother-in-law also got amazed that this is giving me so much love and the husband also thought that wow my wife is now so loving and serving to my mother and she has left no stone unturned and there is no shortcoming in her and she was doing all of this so that nobody would ever suspect her and accuse her so for one year she worked really hard on this and she did so much khidmat of her mother-in-law that her husband was pleased with her her mother-in-law was pleased with her but when the one year was almost finishing then when she would sit alone and she would think that now my mother-in-law almost a year is going to end my mother-in-law is going to die instead of being happy now she would be sad because now she was so close to her mother-in-law and because she had served her mother-in-law now her mother-in-law loved her so much so when the one year was about to end she quickly went crying to the Hakim and she said that Hakim please you have to do something for me you have to give me the antidote antidote to that slow poison that you gave me I don't want anymore that my mother-in-law should die and she's now so nice to me and she takes such good care of me and I'm so comfortable with her that I don't want to lose her 
So when she told that to the Hakim, so the Hakim told her that, okay, very good. Actually, I never gave you poison in the first place. I gave you something that's just very simple, no effect type medicine, so that you would think that you were giving slow poison. But the second advice I had given you was that you should do her service, you should be close to her, give her time, listen to her. Then that was the real medicine I gave you. And actually that is what has worked. But the reason why you and her didn't have a good relationship is because you had not invested any of your time and effort in that relationship. So that's why you felt that she was angry with you and you wanted to poison her to death. But now that you have invested your emotions with her, your time with her, and you've seen that she's actually a good woman and that she also has love for you, and she is also, you have received the return on your investment and she is now treating you well, so now you don't want her to die. So now, again, this girl, she started crying, and these weren't tears of sorrow, but these were tears of joy, that she was happy to hear that her mother-in-law would stay alive, and happy to hear that this, this solution had worked. So what does that mean? So that means if any woman has the same problem with her mother-in-law, she should try to adopt the same recipe, the same solution, to be patient, to be understanding, to be gentle, to give time, and then she will find her relationship with her mother-in-law becomes better. But this is what happened was that her mother-in-law actually was her well-wisher, but the daughter-in-law was very sensitive and was hypersensitive to everything and took everything as criticism. But when you get the love in the hearts between the mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, law, then the daughter won't view everything as criticism. And then now as we see in this example, then this example of the daughter-in-law and the mother-in-law is a perfect example of how to increase that feeling of love with one another. And this was also an example generally of the principle that every relationship will have love when there's investment in it. So for the husband and wife, they must invest in that relationship. The husband must invest his relationship with his wife. The wife must invest in her relationship with her husband. The other thing that the Sharia has told us And so the second word Allah Ta'ala uses in Quran is Rahmah That Allah Ta'ala has placed a mercy between the two of you And in the young uh, In their young married life They even have a very physical, lustful aspect to the relationship and that's why even if in the daytime they have an argument at night they will still be together with one another because the husband has a desire for the wife and the wife has a desire for the husband so many times just that physical relationship patches up things but as they get older and that aspect of the relationship starts to naturally diminish then they need to have rahmah for one another now the way they will patch up their fights will be by having mercy with one another. So they must have mawadda, affectionate love for one another, but they must also have rahmah, mercy and compassion for one another. So what does rahmah mean? It means that now that since you have spent so much time already as husband and wife, now you should value that time that you have spent as husband and wife. You should value the time you have already invested with one another. And now out of your mercy you should overlook the faults and flaws of one another. So rahmah means to forgive someone without asking for any return. That is known as mercy. 
So to forgive that wife or that husband Because they did so much for you In the initial phases of marriage To forgive any shortcoming Without asking for any return So the husband should think That when this woman came to me She was young, she was beautiful And she gave herself entirely to me And now she is the mother of so many of my children And yes, maybe she doesn't have That same physical beauty or youth That she had But she's given me her life She's given me 10-20 years of her life And now I have to value that gift of her life that she's given me Just like that the wife should think the same thing about the husband That my husband gave me a shade, he gave me shelter He took care of me, he supported me That now if as he is getting older He has become a bit a bit sensitive or a bit bitter or a bit sensitive that I should handle his temperament I should be patient with his change in demeanor because he's given his whole life to taking care and supporting me so rahmah means to do qadr of one another to value one another especially the time that has already passed between one another to value that once there was a person and he had a secretary by the name of Lily and then this officer after some time he started doing sin unlawful physical relations with his secretary and then what happened was that this man now all the time he was thinking about his secretary he wanted that I should marry her also and the girl said that no, first you must divorce your wife and then I will marry you I don't want to be a second wife now this man came home and he had such a happily married life but he started to destroy his own happily married life he started to speak improperly with his wife he started ignoring his wife he wasn't interested in anything his wife was doing anymore in front of the children he used to scold and reprimand his wife and the wife didn't understand that what's happened to my husband that he's such a change of attitude he used to be such a good loving husband and all of a sudden he's changed so much his whole demeanor and attitude with me has changed so as she said okay let me try to please him more so then she made redoubled her effort to please him but he was absolutely unflinching and nothing she could do could make him happy because inside he was boiling and he wanted to divorce her so that if I can just marry that beautiful secretary of mine and that young beautiful secretary of mine she should become my wife so when in the home there was a real tumult and fighting so one day his wife asked him that look we have been married for 25 years and for 25 years everything was fine what's happened to you all of a sudden so then he told her openly that I want to divorce you and I want to marry my secretary and his wife asked him that why and he said that because she is more beautiful and she's young and she's very attractive and I want to be happy and I want to be happy in that aspect of my life so the wife she tried to explain to him to the best of her ability but the husband was full of satanic lustful desires so he couldn't listen to any of her arguments and she said okay look if you want to give me the lock, if you want to divorce me, he said, he said that I've decided to divorce you. And, for, and because I want to become happy with that woman, there's nothing you can do to change my mind. So when the wife realized that, okay, that he's not going to change his mind, she asked him that, okay, what is it that you want to do in the end? And he said that, look, because I have a lot of money, I have a very good salary, I'm very wealthy. <coughs> So what do I want? I want no problem, you will keep this house And I will. you can keep the car 
And every month I will give you money for your expenses. We can agree on a monthly amount and you live in the house, you keep the children in the house, you raise her children, you keep the car, but I want to divorce you so that I can go marry her and me, I will then live a new life with her. So she was quiet, his wife remained quiet for some time and then she said, okay. I have one condition also that okay I don't want your house I don't want your monthly support I don't want your car he said what is it that you want then she said that my one condition is that for one month I want you to give me a chance and in that one month I want you to love me and I want you to love me in this one month the way we were when we were newlyweds and try to remember the early beginning days of a marriage and the husband said okay no problem that for one month he thought to himself that one month okay I'll be loving towards her and then I can divorce her then I'll get the house the car I'll get everything I won't even have to support her so then because they made this agreement so she said okay now since you've agreed that remember when I was married newly married I was a bride and you would come to me in this way and you would talk to me like this and I used to approach you in this manner and talk to you in this manner so therefore we have to spend a month and recreate that same experience and live like that again he said okay very good so then they started living a very newlywed life with one another let's just say (laughs) and they had a second honeymoon and they started living the newlywed life of honeymoon with one another once again and then when they started doing that and the husband realized that 25 years ago when she came he started remembering those days that how beautiful she was and how attractive she was and how nice she was and how sweet she was and after 25 years she's a mother of five children and now she is no longer as healthy and she's not as physically beautiful and attractive and she has a blood pressure and other illnesses and she even has an ulcer in her stomach so when she if she was to be alone how will she live alone without me and then he kept thinking about this while he was spending that one month with her and he started thinking like that and caring for his wife once again so in the beginning he tried to suppress these thoughts because he was like no I have to stay on track and finish this month and marry that secretary but as he spent more time with her those thoughts kept coming to him stronger and stronger and when you again spend that time you get asas you start no matter how hard hearted the husband may be he still feels a softness for his wife so by the end of that one month then his wife was thinking that okay maybe today is my last day and he will serve me my divorce papers but on the last day of the one month she got a large bouquet of flowers from the florist and she saw on that bouquet her husband had sent her a note with love and he said that just like I spent this one month of love with you I have spent my whole life again in love for you. 
So actually this relationship is one of an investment and the husband and wife should uh, invest in one another and sacrifice one another. And this is why Allah SWT in Quran used these two words in Quran, Mubadda and Rahmah, that they should have affectionate love for one another and they should have merciful compassion for one another. So that the husband and wife should not have any negative feelings for one another and they should not have hostility for one another and they should love one another without any expectation of any return and they said that you can give without loving but you can't love without giving you can give without loving but you can't love without giving that means to love a person selflessly without any self-interest without any return and this is the requirement that a woman and a wife has for her husband. And that's why as people get older, they should overlook and forgive the faults and shortcomings of one another. And they should bear the shortcomings of one another. And this is why Allah Subhanahu used the word Rahmah. They say in English, uh, a good marriage is the forgiving of two forgivers or the what is it? What of two forgivers? The relationship of two forgivers. And Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا So that you may get sukoon from one another. And a person gets this sukoon when both of them are on taqwa, both of them are pious, both of them have a loving life and lifestyle with one another. And the ulama have written a strange thing in tafsir of this ayah. They have said that in the Arabic language, every letter has a harakah or has a vowel on that letter. Either zamma or fatha or kasra, u, a, e. And in Urdu they call it zabr, zair, pesh. And that letter that has no harakah on it, which is unvowed, that is called sakin, it has a sukun on it. So what does that mean? That to have sukoon in one's life, it means that the husband and wife should make a pact with one another. That we are going to be... Um, we enter into our own world and we will have sukoon with each other. We won't do a harakah with anyone else which will spoil our married life. We have exclusively dedicated and booked one ourselves for one another and therefore we will not do any harakah, take any action, any step, any interaction with any other person because that will threaten our exclusive bond with one another. And that's how we will get to sukoon. means that the husband should be so good that he is not a source of worry for the wife. So life may have worries, but the husband and wife being sukoon for one another means that the husband will give the wife sukoon such that he is not a source of any worry for her. She will be a sukoon for him such that she is not a source of any worry for him. And then when they live in this bond with one another, that will be an exclusive, unique bond with one another. That will be called sukoon. And then they will have sukoon in the day, and they will have sukoon in the night. And Allah Ta'ala has said, uh, just like Allah Ta'ala said in Quran that we have made the layl a night as a sukun for you, just like Allah Ta'ala said in this ayah that we have made the wife a sukun for you. So if a person can spend a life in sukun, in their home and with their wife, then they should spend all of the time in sukun, then with their wife, then they will have sukun in their heart. 
So those people who are married who instead of looking for sakun in their home and their married life, they look for sakun out there on the streets, they are worthy of the mercy of Allah. They need Allah's mercy and guidance to come on them. They have left the sakun that Allah has given them in their home and they will never find sakun on the streets. Yes, you can find lust, you can find greed, you can find worry, you can find betrayal, you can find disappointment. You will find nothing other than disappointment outside of the home. Sakun will only be, ultimately you will find nothing other than ultimate disappointment and betrayal outside the home. Real sukun you can only find in your own home. This is another ayah of Quran that you, O husbands, you are a garment for your wives, and O wives, you are like a garment for your husbands. And this is another word Allah has used the word libas in Quran. This is the beauty of Sharia that in one word Allah has defined the relationship between a husband and wife. In one word, Allah Ta'ala defined the relationship between husband and wife. And you could ask many of the wise people, the poets, to summarize the husband and wife in one word. Some will have said that they're mutual friends. Someone may have said that they're like two wheels on a car. Everyone offered their own wording according to their thoughts. But the real relationship that exists between husband and wife, they could not even explain it in couplets or in sentences or in phrases. But look at the beauty and power and miracle of Qur'an. That not even a sentence, not even a phrase, but just in one word, one kalima, Allah Ta'ala mentioned the relationship between husband and wife. That they are libas for one another. That the husband are a garment for the wife. The wife are a garment for the husband. So what is the reason for this? Number one, that clothing hides a person's nakedness. Just like that the husband hides the faults of the wife and the wife hides the fault of the husband, they are libas from another. Second, that in all seasons of cold or of winter and summer, clothing protects a person from the environment. Just like that, then the husband is a protection for his wife against any negative thing in the environment. The wife is a garment for her husband, she protects him from anything negative in the environment. And the third thing is that when a person wears clothing, they get zinat, they become more beautiful and attractive. I'm sorry, and if a person was clothing, they covered their haya. If a man was told that stand naked in the street, he would have so much haya, he would rather die before I was made unclothed. And you can imagine a woman who would have so even more haya. So when a person is unclothed, they don't have their honor and dignity. But when they're clothed, they have their honor and dignity. So the man, husband is the garment for the wife, he is her honor and dignity. And the wife is the garment for the husband, she is his honor and dignity. Another reason is that libas is beauty, so a person is more beautiful and attractive when they wear clothing. So the husband is a source of beauty for the wife, the wife is a means of beauty for the husband. And the last and most important meaning is that the closest thing to a person physically is their clothing. There is nothing more akrab to them than the physical clothing that they wear because it is muttasil, it is stuck on their body, it is completely attached to their body. So just like that Allah SWT was teaching us in Quran that just the way clothing is attached and close to your body, just like that after you get married, the husband and the wife are so close to one another that they should be they are attached to one another. That they will be like a libas, that they will be permanently attached to one another and inseparable from one another. And they're even like a union, like one to one another. So chains do not hold a marriage together. 
but it is threads hundreds of tiny threads which sew the husband and wife together through through the years so years pass on and the husband and wife keep sewing threads of love between one another such that now when there's so many threads that have been sewn now it becomes an inseparable uh, they become inseparable from one another and just like that the hearts of the husband and wife become attached to one another many times the person makes a mistake the husband wants that my wife should be ideal and should always remain ideal and should fulfill all of her duties and responsibilities but instead of thinking that I should be ideal and I should be the ideal husband and I should fulfill all of her all of my duties and responsibilities all of her needs so each side has expectations of the other to be at the level of ideal but we don't have such an expectation over ourselves and we don't hold ourselves to that expectation that's why they say in English that a successful marriage does not come through finding the right mate but through being the right mate in other words after we are married we have to be the right companion and then when we are the right companion we will find in our spouse that she is also the right companion so when a marriage is unsuccessful then it's not just the marriage that's unsuccessful it's the husband and wife who are unsuccessful it's not the marriage that fails they have failed and they have failed in this mission that Allah subhanahu wa gave them to get sukoon and muadda and rahmah from one another so therefore the husband and wife should live with love and peace with another our shaykh Hazrat Fajr Ghulam Abib used to say that whenever there is lo- wherever wherever there is love then faults appear to be minor and wherever the love is minor then the faults appear to be great so wherever love is great the faults seem insignificant but whenever the love is insignificant then the faults appear to be great so when the husband and wife don't have much love for one another then they will view the faults and shortcomings it will be inflated in their eyes but so if we increase the love for one another then we will view the faults and shortcomings to be negligent and insignificant once there was a person by the name of Majnoon and his name was Qais his real name was Qais but in Qais actually it truly means the uncle or a person who is intelligent but he saw a girl by the name of Layla and he became so crazy and passionate over Layla that he lost his uncle and all the time he was just crazy thinking about Layla and talking about Layla and dreaming about Layla and that's why then everybody started calling him Majnoon that he has become entranced by Layla he has become intoxicated by Layla he's crazy about Layla so when the king heard this that Majnoon is so in love with Layla the king said let me see this girl Layla that this man has become such an ashik, such an ardent passionate lover of her so when he summoned Layla and he saw her he saw that she's an average looking girl so then he said to her Layla that you're not so such a special beauty that Majnoon should be so crazy about you so then a poet he explained he put this in poetry poet verse in Persian he said that yes she replied to him that yes in reality I am not very beautiful in terms of my appearance and features but uh, you are not looking at me with the gaze of Majnoon so you should be silent you are only saying this because you don't have the eyes of Majnoon to look at me 
means that if you want to see my beauty, you have to see me through the eyes of Majnun. But because he has so much love for me, he views me to be beautiful. So what does that mean? That the husband, if he looks at his wife through the eyes of Majnun, she will be a Layla to him. She will be a Miss Universe to him. She will be the most beautiful woman in the whole universe to him. She will be, in his eyes, the best woman in the whole universe to him. But he has to look at her with the right eyes, with the right perspective. And that's why Sharia has taught that we should look at one another with love. And when we look at our wife with love, then our, then we will not notice the faults of one another. Once Majnoon, he told his father, Father told Majnoon that, Oh my son, you have made me so embarrassed. Everybody makes fun of you, me because of you. So let's go to Kaaba and you make Toba of your love for this woman. So fine, he went with his father and they went to the Haram. And then they grabbed the Ghilaf of the Kaaba and the father and son were there and they're making Dua and the Muju started making Dua. And the father had told them that you should make Dua and you should make Toba from the love for... Layla, and you should free yourself of this love. So what did Majnoon do? He made dua. He said, Ilahi, Ilahi tubtu min kulli ma'asi, that, oh my Allah, walakin hubba layla la atub, that Allah Ta'ala, I make tawbah of all of my sins, but my love for Layla, I don't make tawbah from that. So then, then he also said that, oh Allah, Allah Ta'ala, never ever take her love from me, ever, that Allah Ta'ala send your mercy on whoever says Ameen on my dua if anybody says Iman on my dua you should forgive them for all of their sins so when you have love like that then a person's perspective is different altogether so the Shriya has told us that we should husband and wife should look at one another through the eyes of Majnoon and Layla and then they should have love for one another and they will have a happily married life with one another. It comes in a hadith that Sayyidina Rasulullah said that Allah Ta'ala made Umm uh, Al-Nas from the rib of the Prophet And what is the reason for this? So the reason is that she wasn't made from his head, his skull, why? Because Allah Ta'ala is saying that don't put your wife on your head. Nor did He make her from her, His feet because Allah Ta'ala was saying that don't trample over her. But Allah Ta'ala made her from your rib, your chest, because the wife, her place of love is going to lie in your chest. So you should keep her clasped to your chest. That's why they say in English, true love does not consist of holding hands, it consists of holding hearts together. That when the hearts are joined, then the home will be happy. Just like when bricks are joined, the house is built. When hearts are joined, the home will be built. So that's why the Shriya made this principle, that Allah Ta'ala has in the matters of the household, the household affairs, Allah Ta'ala has made the man, yani the husband, Qawwam, has made them the Amir, has made them the manager and leader of the household. So you would say just like that in an office when there are several employees, they make one a manager. So the Sharia has made the husband the manager of the house and has told the woman that you are the subordinate to that manager and you should follow the instructions of the manager, then the manager will love you. 
So today, one mistake also that we see in families is that the wife wants that she should be the manager. She should be the ruler of the house. That whatever she says should be listened to. That the husband should dance at the signal of my fingers. So this is a very foolish thought for a Muslim woman to have. And Allah Ta'ala has made the husband qawam, has made him the one who is responsible. Then barakah in the home will only be when the husband takes that leadership position. So therefore if in the home we have arguments, or we try to push our case, or we try to, the wife says to her husband that my decisions are better, or I'm more educated, or I'm more intelligent, I have a higher IQ, all of this is foolish and folly that you may have whatever capability you want but Allah Ta'ala has made the husband the emir of the house and that the success of the ma'mur the success of the follower lies in following the leader so life is short don't make it shorter by arguments so what is the benefit and what is the use of falling into argument and disputation? The only thing you will lose is the sukoon that Allah Ta'ala wanted you to have. There was a sahaba. His wife, his, her name was Ramla. And Ramla was the daughter of Sayyidina Zubair Anhu. And she was the sister of Sayyidina Abdullah bin Zubair Anhu. And Sayyidina Asma bint Abi Bakr was the daughter of Abu Bakr. She was the daughter of Sayyidina Asma, so the granddaughter of Sayyidina So Khalid and Ramla, they were living a good life together. But the husband, Sayyidina Khalid, he got. He said that my wife is a bit stern and a bit harsh in her temperament. So then once the two of them were together at home, Sayyidina Khalid Bilantu was at home and his brother-in-law Sayyidina Abdullah bin Zubayla were at home and both of them were talking to one another and then Khalid Bilantu, he got he expressed himself with a bit of anger and then Abdullah bin Zubair then responded to him and then what happened was that there was a, a bit hot words exchanged between these two men Sahaba and then Ramla, the wife of one, the sister of the other, she remained silent, sitting there. And then when her brother Abdullah bin Zubair left, then her husband told her that, Oh, did you see that your husband and your brother were arguing with one another? And you were just quiet and silent. What's your problem? So Ramla, she said, that we are women. And Allah Ta'ala has made us like a flower. And the purpose of the flower is that the husband should enjoy the sweet fragrance of the flower. It's not my job to get involved in these arguments. So she gave such a beautiful reply to Sayyidina Khalid he got up and he kissed his forehead of his wife and he forgot all of his anger. So it means that women should not get involved in disputes and arguments or perpetuate or further these things. A woman has no role in this. The woman's job is simply to win over the heart of her husband and to live a loving life with her husband and become the makbul servant and slave of Allah subhanahu wa If we look at Quran al-Kareem, we will see that the Quran is mentioned another beautiful usul principle of life. وَعَشِرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ that you should, O oh husbands, O oh men, O oh husbands, you should live with them in a lifestyle and living manner which is maruf, which is noble, in a noble, virtuous way. And here the Muhasreen have written that here Allah Ta'ala is 
pleading the case of the wives and telling the husbands that she should treat them in a maruf, in a kind and just and noble and virtuous way. It's just like that Sayyidina Rasulullah said that you should also take care of Ma Malakat, a home of those whom your right hand owns and the first group in that is your wife so one in, in one hadith the Prophet said that take care of those whom your right hands possess which includes your wife so the Prophet was pleading the case of the wife and Allah Ta'ala in Quran is pleading the case of the wife by telling the man that you should treat them with maruf treat them with virtue and nobility and kindness so this means that that husband who gives his wife a lot of love and affection and instead of always scolding her or being stern with her or being angry with her or being harsh with her then no wife will be able to successfully coexist with the husband like that the husband should instead think that my Allah Ta'ala is telling me in Quran to treat her softly and gently and with virtue and nobility and my Nabiya Kareem also pleaded her case to me to treat her nicely so I don't want on the day of judgment in front of Allah Ta'ala and my Prophet to have disobeyed their injunction and I want to show up on the day of judgment saying that oh Allah I took your words to heart and you pleaded the case of my wife I accepted that and I treated her well same thing with the Prophet Imam has mentioned an incident that once there was a person whose wife did a very grave sin and if infidelity and he would have been well within his right to divorce her and expel her from his house but he saw that she was so repentant and then he decided that Rakhah would forgive her so then when that person passed away somebody saw him in a dream and asked him what happened he said I was presented in front of Allah SWT and Allah Ta'ala said that you forgave your wife because you thought she was the slave of Allah Amatullah as my servant and slave so therefore I forgive you because you were my slave so it means that when we forgive one another's flaws and faults then Allah Ta'ala will forgive our sins if we overlook the shortcomings in others Allah Ta'ala will pardon and overlook our sins so the two major things we two points we should keep in mind to have a successful married life is that number one is that after getting married the husband and wife should develop a language between one another and that is called the language of marriage they should speak to one another with love they should look at one another affectionately they should smile at one another they should speak love-filled words to one another they should have love-filled gestures between one another all of this is a language which you can call the language of marriage and that husband and wife who, who have not been able to develop this language then their married life will never be have sukoon in it so what is that the husband and wife should have the language of love in their marriage and they should be able to understand one another's gestures one poet wrote about this gestures between the husband and wife that they have such secret gestures of love between the husband and wife that even the karam and katibin even the angels cannot understand what are the meanings of those messages and signals and they can pass messages to one another without the angels knowing so they have to develop that language and the second point is just like in school you study different topics science, chemistry, physics just like that today you should teach a subject in school and that is the arithmetic of marriage the math of marriage 
arithmetic of marriage. That is, that what is the algebra of marriage? What are the rules of this algebra? That is, that one plus one is everything. Then the husband and wife, if they are together, then they are everything, and, and two minus one is nothing. That if they're two but they're living separate from one another, in heart their hearts are separate from one another, then they are nothing. So this is the simple arithmetic, arithmetic arithmetical equation of marriage. That one plus one is everything and two minus one is nothing. And the summary of all of today's talk was is the follows is as follows. That if the husband and wife want that they should live in sukoon and have a happily married life with one another, then the way to do that is that both of them should become the obedient servants and slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we should remember that person who is obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that person who cannot be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never be able to be obedient to others. And that person who is not loyal to Allah ta'ala can never be loyal to people. So that is why that if we if people who are not pious and obedient and loyal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will never able to be pious, obedient and loyal to their wife. They will lie to their wife, they will deceive their wife, they will mm, oppress their wife. And they will even swear false oaths. And in reality they are cheating on their wife. And they are guilty of infidelity on their wife. And similarly if there is a woman who is not pious, obedient and loyal to Allah SWT, then even if she is living with her husband, she will be lying to him, she will be betraying him, she will be untrue to him. So the most important thing is that if we make ourselves the pious, loyal, obedient slaves of Allah SWT, then we will be able to be pious and loyal obedient with other slaves of Allah Taala. So one very important thing to have a happily married life is that both should become husband and wife should become muttaqi should become pious and virtuous that the pious women are for the pious men the pious and pure women are for the pious and pure men the pious and pure men are for the pious and pure women so both men and women should try to make ourselves tayyib the more stronger the magnetic power is in the steel the more it will attract the other steel towards it. So the magnetic power in the steel is taqwa. The more taqwa that the woman has in her life, the more she will have a magnetic attraction, exert a magnetic attractive force on her husband. So there's one word in English which is no, and no, no. And there's another... There's another word, K-N-O-W, no, which means to no, recognize. So the way we should think this thing is that know that Allah knows. So we should have knowledge that Allah Ta'ala has knowledge. But that person who doesn't know that Allah knows, then they will have no peace. So if you know Allah, you will know peace. And know Allah, no peace. Know with a K. If you know Allah, you will K, no peace. But if in your life there is no N-O Allah, then you will have no N-O peace. This is the simple rule that we also have to adopt in a married life that the husband and wife, the more they know K-N-O, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then they will have more peace between one another. May Allah ta'ala attract the man towards taqwa, the husband towards taqwa, the wife towards taqwa. The more the husband will be on taqwa, the more he will exert a magnetic attraction on his wife. And that's... 
That is why the forehead may look beautiful even if it's not young, if it has the sign of sajda on it. The eyes can be beautiful if there is no surma mascara in it, but as long as it has haya in it. And a person's height can be beautiful even if they don't wear heels, if a person has high character in their akhlaq. So we should work on our character, on our akhlaq, on our sifat of taqwa and haya and iman. This is the real husn, the real beauty. And if we get the real beauty of deen in our heart, then naturally the other will be attracted to the real beauty that we have. And then we end and conclude by the poetry of a poet that if you want to see beauty, don't look at the features of my face. If you want beauty, then don't look at the features on my face because features fade away and faces become wrinkled. Don't look at my height or my posture because even posture fades and becomes crooked. But you should seek my beauty in that person that is inside of me and the person inside of me has that inner beauty and the the inner person if the inner person is beautiful then the two people who have inner beauty will always love and appreciate the beauty they have with one another and then they will become the beloved and accepted servants and slaves of Allah Ta'ala May Allah Ta'ala give each and every one of us the inner beauty and let us appreciate the inner beauty in our spouse وَأَخِرْنَا وَنَعَنَا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ لِمْبِنْ آمَنْ